Welcome to this episode of our podcast, Why is the World? Uh, we're your hosts, Miles, myself, and I'm here with Sevi. Hi, everyone. So this podcast aims to introduce you to different cultures, areas, and debates from across the world. What are we talking about today, Miles? Uh, so today we're going to be talking about something probably a little bit closer to home for you, Sevi. We're actually going to be talking about a state of the U.S. So yes, we are. The actual question is, why is Alaska part of the United States? And you say it's a little closer to home. Alaska's still pretty far away in some respects, well, cause, but we'll get to that. Yeah, if you don't know anything about Alaska, we'll give you a... a brief introduction about it so you don't need to go away and do any research before this you know we're going to just bring it all to you at the comfort of your wherever you like listening really yeah your car your bed anything else let us know where you listen we're really <laughs> interested the toilet <laughs> anyway cool so do you have any uh, experience or preconceived notions about the question miles uh so i think it's 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 fairly well known that it was uh it was sold by a country to America, uh, but actually, in terms of a background to that and maybe a bit of study, I actually didn't know much. And also, I know very little about Alaska mm-hmm. uh, itself. Like, um, yeah, I know it's this big U.S. state up in the upper reaches of, uh, like the, you know, it's next to Bering Strait up yeah. of uh, the Pacific. But I, I actually know very little about it, to be quite well, quite that, honest. I, I'd say that's probably the basic facts and did you know like who's who sold it to them before you uh researched this yeah i knew it was russian before but um yeah i was hoping hoping we could get into that perhaps a little bit more in depth yeah Um, and we will get into it more in depth that was also my initial thoughts on the question like i knew russia bought it when they needed money that was like the simple fact in my head but obviously like it's a little bit more in depth than that as every question is so i was also going to just ask you I know you have a bit of a quest to to tick off every U.S. state. Is Alaska one of those as it, of it, today? Uh, as of today, Alaska has not been ticked off, but it is one of the few left. And uh, in fairness, like Alaska and Hawaii are always like the harder ones to get if you live in at least the continental U.S. because um, they both require a plane ride or a very, very long... I, I guess Alaska, you can drive there, but it would take a while. Um, Do they call those the, the lower 48? Yeah, that- so- the continental i read for- that but yeah, yeah lower I'll, 48 i call it the continental 48 or the continuous 48 um yeah i guess lower 48 works but technically hawaii's lower so that's why i don't like the lower 48 um hawaii's actually the southernmost state most people don't like they think about it way on the pacific but it actually is like a little farther south which makes sense from its tropical nature yeah. but we're not covering hawaii today we are covering the colder uh uh, uh basically a lone state um, which is Alaska. Yeah, there's a, there is an interesting trivia uh, that you told me once about Hawaii having uh, the coldest average high temperature. Oh, yeah. In the, in the US. Actually, it's, you're right, but it was actually tied with Alaska. Yeah. Um, I think is... I, I felt like Alaska was like a smidge lower, but sure. It's, but the point is Alaska also is like, yeah, you wouldn't think that, but it's true. Why is that true, yeah. Miles? If, why is Alaska the, the... Why does it have the lowest or highest temperature or whatever you said? So Alaska would have that because of its location around the globe. You know, it's, it is far north, so it won't get as hot in the, in the summer months. 
that's because uh, it's colder up north due to the orientation of the Earth and the yeah, um, and, and the, the way the sun the... stays out all day in certain parts yeah. as well. And the and the fact there's like no Gulf Stream up there to to give it a bit of warmth during. Yeah, I suppose actually that would contribute the, the, to the... cooling in Salas. Yeah, no, slightly, in a lot of ways, the Gulf Stream kind of takes heat away from, I guess, the southern U.S. or maybe the Gulf area. Um, yeah, it, it, mean, actually, it means that Europe has a warmer winter, but also a slightly cooler summer, doesn't it? The Gulf Stream? Or maybe it's a... I think it just makes uh, Europe in general just warmer year-round in a lot of ways. Um, okay. Because if you think about it, Europe is about on the same latitude as like Canada. And it's definitely not as cold as Canada in the summer, right? Think of like Spain. Spain's about even with like New York City. And New York City gets warm in the summer, but it doesn't get like Spain warm. Um, okay, so so we're yeah. talking about sort of anyway. uh, that. What's what's Alaska's equivalent to um, um, in Europe? Is in in terms of that longitude? So Alaska is like up near like Siberia, Siberia in Russia. Um, Alaska is like northern Canada. It's actually the most. It, we'll talk about how there's less than one person per square mile, or yeah. less than yeah. one person per zero point four six kilometers square. So sorry, yeah. zero point four six people per kilometer squared. Um, so that's like about two person per two people per uh, two kilometer. I uh, know, actually, never mind. That uh, don't do that math. The math gets more complicated in area. Um, yeah, so it's like on par with like more like uh, it's even like above Sweden, Finland, and uh, like it's within Sweden, Finland, and uh, Norway, but also above it uh, as well, like the northern reaches of it. Um, it's actually like you talked about it being quite big. It's the biggest U.S. state. Like if we compare it to the a uh, U.S. state of similar size, the only one is Alaska because it's so big. It's actually bigger than the next three biggest states combined, which are California, Texas, and Montana. Um, to give you some like more context on how big it is uh, compared to other um, countries, it's about as big size as the Libya, um, or it's almost exactly the size of Eastern Europe. So all okay. of Eastern Europe is about the size of uh, where, where does Alaska. your border for Eastern Europe lie for that? That is a good question. You will have to ask Wolf from Alpha that. Um. <laughs> so, so my statistics, I manually added this up, um, yeah. is that it's the same size as France, Germany, Sweden, Norway, and Spain together. Okay. I, I was going to do that, and then I'm like, I'll let Wolf of Alpha do the math for me. <laughs> yeah. And then I ask you a question on it, and you... Yeah, no, that's fair. Yeah. That's fair. So, uh, so, so Eastern no, Europe, good... you get a bit confused yeah. with um, Central European countries, such yeah. as, uh, you know, Slovakia and, and that sort of thing. So... Uh, yeah, we'll leave that one out for now, and we'll continue. Yeah, did you fi figure out like if it was its own country, like what no, what it would be ranked? I didn't know. So it would be the seventeenth largest country if it was ranked uh, as if it was its own body. I got that it was close to Iran in size yeah. as well, um, but I can't remember if Iran was slightly bigger or slightly smaller. It also, I think. I don't remember either. It's also like, it depends how you count it too. Alaska, like a majority of its area is water. Um, I was including that for this. Um, okay. But in terms of land area, it's smaller, but it's still like gigantic. And the reason it has a lot of water is because like there's lots of islands and it's it's got a coast along three different seas um, or oceans, right? You got the Pacific, um, like the Northern Pacific, you got the Arctic to the north of it, and then you got the Bering uh, Strait as well, which is the... Yep. Uh, area between Alaska and Russia. Exactly. 
Yeah, so one of the things that amazed me about uh, Alaska in its um, in its physical geography is how mountainous it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's just got so many mountains, uh, and it, it has even some fjord um, yeah. structures as well, sort of it's down. It's got a lot southern... of glaciers. Um, it's yeah. got the largest glacier in North America. Yeah, and it's, so it's it's very um, very impressive to look at, and you kind of think uh, about how much like uh, Norway gets for its fjord right. like uh, exposure for tourism and. Uh, certainly from my perspective maybe it's just because i'm from a european centric view but i don't hear that much about alaska having you know some of the most beautiful fjords and and uh see i I hear about it having great scenery and you know the the bears are such a phenomenon you know they have these massive grizzly brown bears that go salmon hunting every year it's a huge thing for photographers and documentary makers and tourists as well to just want to go and see these um these animals and tourism uh, is big in Alaska, but it's not like it, it, it's probably not like the fjords of Norway or maybe actually I shouldn't say that. I'm not sure about those statistics, but you definitely when you think of fjords, you think of Norway before you think of Alaska. Yeah. Um, you probably think of New Zealand beforehand as well. Yeah. Before Alaska, too. Um, I only learned that recently, but yes, <laughs> my boss actually traveled to Alaska last year. And he talked about how, like, they took, like, a, a big ship, like, in one of the fjords and saw the glaciers, like, going up into the mountains. Um, and he talked about how beautiful it was. And you, he said you could actually see, like, the ice falling and it would create, like, these waves. Um, and I saw a video and, it like, it's, it's stunning there. Yeah. And the I scale think... is just, like, I think that's what really, like, speaks to you if you go to visit. Yeah. I, I don't know whether that's unique to fjords or it's unique to alaska because when i've I've seen some of norway's fjords and you can you can look at a picture all you want it just does not translate that size to you you know when you see a like these huge cruise ships up in the Mm -hmm. fjord they look so small you it's even hard to believe it when you're looking at it in person it's just it's It's like a toy boat (laughs) it is exactly you you know i've i've in perspective terms it's it is tiny the the cruise ship yeah so you were talking about the mountains the mountains are huge it's got 17 of the largest mountains in the united states it's got the largest mountain in north america denali it used to be called mount mckinley after the president when it was established but it got renamed to the native word for the uh, mountain which is denali everyone called it denali anyway um my dad actually climbed denali uh when he was young uh, before he was married and like he always said Denali, um, and like it, it's a magical place. It's definitely one. Denali National Park is a or refuge is a place that a lot of people go to visit when they go to Alaska. Yeah. Um, it's more towards the center of the uh, country. Um, yeah, yeah, that's right. And it's six thousand two hundred meters high, roughly. Yeah, that's uh, that's actually is... right. I I have a good aside for you off 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 uh, off microphone about that. <laughs> Okay, yeah. um, uh, a, a bit curious personal. about that. Yeah, <laughs> um, um, yeah. So, exactly. So it's incredibly high, and actually, one of the other things is that uh, we, we've spoken about this in perhaps a couple of other episodes um, about this ring of fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, that ring of fire actually continues to extend into along, along the southern border, the southern coastline of yeah. uh, Alaska, and. Uh, and follows it through and that's uh you know 
another reason why some of the mountains are formed the way they are, I think. Yeah, no, Alaska is definitely an area of geology that um, hasn't decided it or hasn't settled very much yet. It's definitely a very active in terms of geological formations, whether it's like there are plates pushing up against and each other with the mountains are going over each other, but not to mention like there's lots of uh, earthquakes and then the ring of fire volcanoes in Alaska too. Um, obviously geological time scale is in like very long. It takes a long time for things to happen, but Alaska things are happening more quickly than uh, most other places in the world. If that makes sense. Yeah. Makes absolute sense. Um, so in terms of the physical geography, I think, uh i've said yeah. what i wanted to say unless there's yeah, so, uh, so um uh the i'll say one more thing which is like if you smacked alaska on top of the u.s it would actually reach like the so, so alaska i want to say a little bit more so you got like the big central location the north is also uh lots of tundra right and arctic there's actually lots of oil produced up there too and a few tiny towns that are like the more the mo northernmost towns in the u.s um and like they they, they get like sunlight for three months in a row or night for three months in a row. It's crazy. Um, and then if you go down to the south, everybody's like, oh, Alaska almost looks like an elephant. It's got this long trunk of islands. Um, those islands that stick out into the Pacific. Um, it's just like a huge chain. It's kind of like Hawaii is a chain. Like the volcano basically is like underneath and like and moves and like creates new islands in the water. Um, I forget what that's called exactly. I think it's like a volcano chain or something like that. Um, there's probably a more technical term. And yep. it's, uh, and then there's also another, like it also follows the coast along Canada and actually goes down pretty far, like uh, not quite all the way to Vancouver, but um, uh, far towards Washington. And the capital is actually located along those chain of islands along the coast there called Juneau. And there's actually no road access there. Um, the road access goes up through Canada into Alaska through like the mainland. Um, so those places you actually have to get to by plane or by boat. Um, and those descend pretty low. So the idea is if you smacked Alaska on top of like a continental U.S., it would actually reach like the lower part of those chains that go down would reach to Florida. And the chain that comes out into the Pacific, like that chain of islands, actually would reach all the way to Northern California. So while Alaska doesn't cover all of the U.S., like it really spreads itself out and almost covers it to kind of give you Good. a scale of how like how massive this geological area is. And on most maps, actually, Alaska looks bigger than it really is because of the way it's morphed and because it's so far north. But it's still really big. <laughs> yeah, uh, I was just going to add on to that, that the, uh, the, it's kind of helpful having a big long island chain then for imposing yourself on maps isn't it and it's another good way to get like lots of water like we talked about a little bit earlier um lots of water as part of your area or yeah. claimed area H helps um, you yeah let me see if there's anything else in regards to like geography um most people live on like the southern coast um which makes sense like if you live in the north far north your cities are probably further to the south like closer to the water where it's a little bit more temperate uh the largest city is anchorage um, and it actually makes up like a majority of the population of Alaska. And what is the population of uh, Alaska? So I got around like uh, 730,000 people. So like yeah. not that big. Uh, I, I'll, I'm curious what uh, analogies you came up with for, for that number. Yeah, so it's about the same as uh, Luxembourg. Okay. If you're, if you're from a European mind. 
That's uh, so that makes it seem like pretty small, and it is small population, it is right? Really, we're so, talking it, about the middle of nowhere. <laughs> exactly, it's quite it's quite amusing actually to think the whole of Luxembourg could live in all of Alaska under the current <laughs> housing situation. They wouldn't again, be very happy, but that's. <laughs> And again, I think, like like I said, most people live in Anchorage, so it's actually not that crazy, but they wouldn't be happy because it's probably a lot colder. <laughs> um, yeah, I also got Réunion, France, as about the same population, so the island of Réunion yep. uh, for France, and then also the Solomon Islands, um, yep. you, So, which is also like really small. It's like there's not a lot of area there. A bit of a, um, bit of a trivia point on uh, Réunion, actually, which is nothing okay. to do with uh, Alaska. But Réunion um, actually has the most expensive um stretch of road in the european union huh and what's happened is they had a lot of rock falls that kept falling on the outer road so they built like a viaduct bridge motorway off the okay. island around it like if on you, the water yeah and if you That's if you so want to cool. google it uh yeah it's uh, definitely worth a worth a look just from the the sheer opulence of it it's quite funny considering it's just a small you know, a small island in the Indian I, Ocean. I, I love those little sides of, of geography. Um, yeah, so some other stuff about um, the, like, the population. Uh, it actually has the largest native population of any um, state in the U.S. It's 15%, um, which is pretty large. Um, the inhabitants uh, have been there, like, for a long time. There's 224 federally, federally recognized tribes and 20 different languages, um, at least. Um, so that's like including dialects within certain languages. Yeah. So if the 15% are Native American, I'm assuming that the the large amount is uh, is white. Is that right? The largest yeah, amount? So, yeah. So and basically the, 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 the rest of the country is mostly white and then all, and then there's like some smaller minorities of Asians and other descent, uh, other areas of descent. Okay. Um, um, also you... one quick thing before we forget, uh, it's about, Oh, I guess we did cover this about 1.2 habit habitants per square mile in Alaska. So like, even though it's small, because it's so, even though it's small population, because the area is big, like the idea is you could really scatter people out and yeah, and uh, if that it gives were... it a really rustic feel. So the idea is like, if you live there, it's like, you're a, a person of the elements, a person of nature, a person yeah. of if you like, actually the wilderness the, for the density of, um, if you, if you, if it was its own country, it would mm -hmm. be the least dense country in the world yeah uh, and that's more it's, than it's, mongolia and that's uh, mongolia have enough people to spread everyone out for i think everyone with a 250 to 500 meter radius across their oh, whole wow. population because uh, it was a bit of a joke when the pandemic started that they could you know in terms of uh, social distancing mongolia had it nailed <laughs> imagine that's what really alaska funny. could have done <laughs> yeah and it's funny because like Alaska is actually more densely populated than the same areas that are like Alaska in northern Canada. Um, most of like Canada is it, it doesn't there's not as many people who live in the Canadian north as they're doing Alaska per square mile, which is really interesting. Um, but I think a large part of that is because they have nice shipping lanes and they can transport goods up to Alaska 
quickly. Fun fine side fact is, and then I'll let you talk a lot more, um, is uh, when you, they transport cars there, and when you're done with your car and you no longer need it, you just leave it on the side of the road. And so, like, all of a sudden, like, these cars, old cars, like, pile up along the sides of Anchorage. And, like, you, they, that way they can have parts for their current cars. They can take them off. And it's, it's kind of sad because, like, there's no, like, one junkyard or there's no way to really get rid of that, um, those, mm -hmm. those car waste. And if you think about it, a car doesn't last very long in, like, the Arctic relative to yeah. other places. It's a bit sad, actually. Yeah, um, so I wanted to just quickly mention about, um, so we've, we've obviously previously mentioned that uh, it was colonized by Russia in its history. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, I was quite interested in how many people actually speak Russian since it, it would have mm -hmm. that influence uh, in, in the part. But actually, 85% of people roughly speak English. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, so that doesn't leave a lot of room for uh, Russian speakers. But uh, about 5% of people speak Russian in okay. alaska um which is also contrasted with about four percent speak spanish and yeah. uh and then another four percent for asian languages as well given the um given the history of like how russia was part of it and left i'm surprised it's as high as five percent okay that's interesting because because in um like other historical or other colonies of other european countries they still maintain their language in a lot of cases you know you've got the spanish country spanish speaking latin and south american countries so through my historical research once russia sold it to the us it seemed like a lot of the russians went back to russia okay. um, and not very many remained and unlike i feel like unlike the european countries where it was would have been more likely that the people remained in there for the culture and language yeah. would have survived a little bit longer um and also it's alaska in a lot of ways it's like wilderness like like if a whole another country is going to take over your wilderness and like has all a different language different culture different everything i think you're more likely to go back to your home country hence the surprise that it's as high as five percent yeah exactly uh so I also wanted to ask you, uh, did you want to cover anything else about the sort of basics about uh, Alaska before we get into the question? Um, yeah, the obviously it's in like a harder part of the world to get to. So there's a like if, if you lived there, it would be a higher cost. Uh, actually, per capita, Alaska is like the 10th uh, um, most like. Uh, wow, I can't think of a good word for it. It's like basically they make the most money per capita. Um, they're the 10th state date the rank 10th in that and so because the idea of the is like in alaska, yeah but also because alaska like they have to be paid more in order to be, live there because the cost of living is a much higher because a lot of their goods and gas and like all the little things are more expensive because a lot of them have to be transported to alaska and there's like a tax on that yeah. um but there is a lot of oil reserves that's a huge cost most of them have been depleted um they were mostly uh, taken in the 70s and 80s um, they have this great pipeline from the north where that brings them down to uh, the south to uh, ship up. And it's really cool. Uh, fun fact about it is like you look at it, it's very zigzaggy across the Arctic. And you're like, well, it's a pipeline. Like you'd save a lot of money if you just made it straight, right? As opposed to zigzags. But the reason it zigzags is we talked about the geology. Like there's a lot of movement of the ground and it's like in this pristine Arctic wilderness. Um, and the idea is by zigzagging it, like the base, um, like, uh, mounting points that hold the pipeline above the ground can like move around um and yet the pipeline will stay like 
this will still work. And I don't know, I like that as an engineer. Yeah, that's solution. that's really interesting. Huh. Yeah, no, I, I I'm ready to get into the question if you are. Okay, so the question is, why is Alaska part of the United States of America? And in many ways, so we've it, already answered so it. <laughs> is it part of the U.S., Mike? Yeah, so is I, it? Would, I would call it, yes, it is part of the U.S., yeah. being one of the states of America. Um, yeah. um, but it hasn't always been a funny. state of America, yeah. even when it was um, after it was transferred, as we've, mm-hmm. um, you know. Um, but, you know, we can, we can talk a bit about the sort of the history so one of the reasons why we probably avoided talking about the history is because that actually coincides with answering the question in a lot of these mm-hmm. cases. Um, and, and to me, I, I did some simple like mathematics for like, you know, why it was sold and, and you know, tried to boil mm-hmm. it down to a really simple, simple meaning. It's been sold and it was, um, can you remind me how much it was sold for? Yeah, so it was sold for 7.2 million US dollars at the time. That's equivalent to about 132 million dollars in 2019. Yeah. So I th- I think under any circumstances we could probably say that was a bit of a bargain for the US. That's definitely the way it's portrayed in the US, but again, like that's probably beneficial overall. Um I did see some conflicting things where economists actually did the math on it and some said it was useful and some said it what some said it was like a good economic decision others said it wasn't if you if you include everything i think the answer is really like how you how you count it up because a lot of that value it's like yeah you can put everything in economic terms but there's also value in just like having land there as like from a military standpoint or from a trade standpoint or so it's hard to i think add add all those things up um but overall i think it's nice to have a large northern like on as a u.s citizen it's nice to have part of our country that's in a, like a different area or climate or geography in the world. Very expansionist view there. Yes, um, and, and, and U.S. was definitely in its expansionist phase when this happened. Yeah, it was we... definitely the highlight of the president's term when they, this was bought. Yeah, uh, it it's, was it's pretty, quite it interesting. Pretty positive. It's quite interesting. You're very happy you've got territory there as a U.S. citizen because in theory, you know, you are taking away from um, Native Americans their way of life and um sort of like you know taking it away from them and uh from their way of uh of living you know they were never happy about the sale of you know their land in the way they viewed it and you know it's not nice to anyone to you know to buy and sell you know in their eyes their property um yeah so and their eyes it's not their property it's the world's property they just they get the pleasure of using it i think you're touching some uh controversial grounds there with um you know it depends how you look at it from different perspectives. But yeah, you're right. If the U.S. hadn't had it, Russia would have it. If Russia hadn't had it, maybe Canada would have well, had it. Maybe, uh, maybe we can l- talk l- about that. that. Yeah. Yeah. L- yeah, let's get into that question. So I'm going to set the scene a little bit and say, you know, what was happening at the time. But before we be- to, to set the scene, we actually need to go back and say, you know, how, how did Russia get control of it? You know, when did that happen? So the first European permanent settlement on uh, Alaska by Russia was in 1784. Okay. Um, and it was sold in 1867. So mm-hmm. in terms of an actual European colony, you could say it wasn't, it wasn't settled by Russia that long. I'm sure mm-hmm. the Russians, uh, the native Americans in Alaska would argue differently and probably Americans too. Um, but 
uh, yeah, it was, it was colonized in, in, 18, in 1784 by a permanent settlement. So before that, you know, you'd had various trade expeditions and, and you know, uh, that sort of thing. Uh, it was always noted that it was never profitable for the Russians. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, what we mean by profitable is the amount of money they spend defending with military, putting stationing military forces around there, uh, trying to put infrastructure in to make everything connect. We spoke about uh, Juno not having any road networks uh, and other factors like that to sort of the, the money they put in compared to the the amount of money that they got out through natural resources and, and trade. Think about Russia as a country. It's like the people, almost all the cities are in the West, right? Close to Europe, like part of Europe in a lot of ways. And like the East, you got like Siberia and it goes like into nowhere's all. And then Alaska's even further beyond that. It's like to send supplies there wasn't an easy feat. Yeah. Russia had a, has, still has a large um, influence in the Pacific though. Yeah, they 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 do. do But my my point is that it's expensive to move goods far, far places. And especially like in 1867. Uh, And before that, I should say. And you, you also consider perhaps that, you know, owning Alaska, you have like a long border with uh, Canada currently. Yeah. Uh, and we'll put that into a and, bit of perspective where it yeah. was. So Canada was a colony of the British Empire, who at the time we're talking 1700s and 1800s were huge as a superpower, like you, you, they were the superpower. Like, yeah, they they were enormous in 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 terms of their wealth and their influence as well. And actually, they had huge rivalries with Russia, which we'll we'll, we'll talk about. Yeah. So essentially, they had a really big border with their biggest enemy. Uh, and their biggest enemy didn't have a great way of defending themselves in that area. Yeah, nor did they. Like Russia did. Russia didn't have a good way to defend. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. In that so they're area. always going to spend money trying to defend that. Yeah. Um, and and that's what we mean by it was never profitable. Is the amount of income it produced for Russia, they they didn't use any of its natural resources of gold and. Uh, so they were mostly like uh, uh, fur trading. So like they were getting furs from natives and also for themselves from like otters. Was yeah, was it was otters industry. was the main one. And actually, they uh, they actually trapped all the the otters as much as they could and it was actually almost they almost went extinct in the areas yeah because they they sort of over uh over trapped which (laughs) ironically actually makes it less profitable further because suddenly they're not able to sustainably um catch and uh you know take the furs of these populations i also saw some facts that they thought like people might find gold and that would create a rush into the country from both uh like from the British Empire and Canadians, but also from Americans. And therefore, it, they actually saw that as not profitable for them in finding gold. They saw it as like, oh, like we'd be overwhelmed with like other people and wouldn't be able to hold the land. Yeah. Um, so, so it was all to do with it. It was quite difficult to manage from the Russian perspective. And now, and now we're going to sort of take this into... Okay, it's everyone's speech. Well, and then what, one last thing is that I saw a really cool thing where it's like, one academic called it Siberia's Siberia to kind of yeah. give you a perspective. Yeah. Oh, did I t- steal that? No, it's, 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 uh, it's good. I was going to take it to setting the scene of uh, what's happening with, uh, with Russia. You know, we've sort of, we've, we've got this, uh, the British empire are the, the global superpower, you know, they're in, you know, number one position for 
world dominance. Uh, and actually, mm-hmm. you'd probably argue that the the French Empire was probably one of the next biggest um, uh, superpowers. And then you also have this Russian superpower. Uh, and what Russia had been doing is they'd sort of been building up over time. They'd been really escalating their industries and their influence and um, and how they wanted to attack, or I say attack, to, to build their influence in the world. And uh, a lot of the, the culture in Russia at the time was actually quite centered on their, their southern underbelly of Russia, I guess you could call it, where mm-hmm. you've got this sort of Middle Eastern area. Uh, that was actually mm-hmm. where a lot of the... They, they wanted to target their influence and, and gain control, essentially. Okay. Um, you know, that would have also disrupted a lot of the the trade from British trade of India to the UK. So, you know, all that connecting points, that's what Russia really wanted to try and disrupt so they could gain the influence. Okay. And so who, who owned the sort of Suez and that Middle Eastern area at the time? It was the Ottoman Empire, uh, who were mm-hmm. essentially a predecessor to modern day Turkey uh, in kind of, you know, their capital was Istanbul at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were actually on decline through various reasons that we can go into another time. So, so they're declining and Russia wanted to sort of take over and, and push into that area. Um, but Britain and France really did not want that to happen. You know, they were very, let's keep Russia constrained and, and that let's make sure they don't become like a, a notable like a uh, enemy or rival yeah they, they wanted to keep their influence restricted because they wanted all the influence okay. and power and trade and wealth okay got it yeah, yeah, as, yeah, that makes sense yeah so stay, stay number one by getting rid of number two and three or exactly by getting number yeah. number three. and what actually happened was we had the crimean war um mm-hmm. where russia fought uh britain france and the ottoman empire in predominantly the black sea and Russia actually spent a significant amount of money defending Alaska because they were so fearful of a British invasion across mm-hmm. um, across the the border of Alaska uh, from from Canada, and they and it never came. The British never attacked mm-hmm. there, and so they spent a lot of money with that. And to to kind of um, finish to to cut short on the Crimean War. The Russians lost, uh, and yeah. they and they were essentially bankrupt. They had they had very little money. Uh, so what's one of the, if you're a business owner and you've you're losing money, the first thing you're going to do is get rid of the the areas that aren't profitable. Yeah. So uh, essentially, Russia had to sell Alaska. Yeah. Um, which yeah. which which begs the which sort of answers the question of why it was sold and why it's not an independent country. Cause, cause, yeah. And another thing I'd like to argue is like, like they're going against uh, the uh, British Empire. Um, they didn't want to sell it to them, right? So, and that's what kind of like left the last U.S. states. And another thing I want to add on to that is like they offered in 1857 uh, and 1858 as well to the U.S., which is like 10 years before it actually happened. And a lot of the and U.S. was kind of busy with the Civil War at that point, which is why it never went through. But I want to point out that like this wasn't like Russia being like, oh, we need to sell this to make money. It's like we need to sell this. And it still took them like 10 plus years to get it done. Yeah. So in terms of who Russia could sell to. Uh, you know their their options were limited. We'll, we'll we'll say the whole the full list of countries that they could have sold to, yeah, definitely. and then we'll knock them all off, and then you'll see, you know how 
who they sold like it that. to and why. Do so, it. Right. So I'm excited. I'm going to say the list first, and then we'll break up. You know who they were. You know there might be a couple of questions about them. So we have the British Empire, we have the mm-hmm. French Empire, we have mm-hmm. Prussia, we have China, okay. we have the Ottoman Empire, and the USA. So so those sort of six countries were the six top. They could afford it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're the ones that could, <laughs> that could afford to buy it. So we'll, we'll go through one by one. We've already mentioned with the British Empire. They're their main enemy, you know. They just they just absolutely don't want to give them more power. That's just a big no. They they wouldn't even consider it. It's just, and that's actually a lot of people want to know why it's not a part of Canada. The reason yeah. why Alaska is not part of Canada is because Canada was British owned at the time, and and the British were and uh, I don't know. I did see the word arch rivals at the time. Yeah, they they were yeah they were not friendly with Russia. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so that's why Canada does not own uh, Alaska today, uh, which, you know, a lot of people would say that would be a nice, easy sort of continuation of that um, body of yeah. body of land. So, Although yeah. I bet if they did own it, it would be the largest, it might be the largest country. It would beat Russia. <laughs> it's an interesting... That would be an interesting, I'll let you do the maths on that, but yes. uh, um, I'll just... Uh, Go ahead. Uh, I'll just continue with the the country. So we have uh, France as well, who were also an opposition superpower who had just beaten Russia in this Crimean war. So they were also off the list for the same reason, is that, uh, you know, you're not going to give it to your enemy, essentially. Um, And and that actually kind of goes to the same with the Ottoman Empire as well, because they were Mm -hmm. the similar. So so that's actually three of the six that um, Russia's not going to sell to. Um, Right. And, and then we have, um, that leaves us with Prussia, China, and the US left. And so for those of you who don't know, Prussia was a, uh, a country that sort of took up northern, northern Germany across the northern reaches of Poland and up into Kaliningrad, which is that ex, uh, the enclave of Russia in the Baltic Sea, uh, which was actually where Prussia had its capital. But that will be enough for another another episode right Um, so they were a big power in in europe they were growing in strength as it became a unified germany which led to uh maybe some other wars in the future uh but the reason why they weren't on the list is one they shared a border with uh russia already Uh, so they they weren't they weren't really good friends we'll we'll put it but actually they were in a civil war as well uh, which as you've mentioned previously the the u.s were in a civil war before the actual sale um so w- when you're in a civil war you don't really you're not interested in buy- in buying a nice bit of land really are you <laughs> yeah no you're a little preoccupied at the time exactly and and to to further that china were actually in the second opium war at the time uh oh, so okay. um they were essentially they were at war with um the british empire so mm-hmm. they were also a bit preoccupied and short of cash uh, so they, and that sort of la- leaves you with the US. Mm-hmm. So, so everyone else was accounted for. The US were, yeah. they didn't really have a lot of choice to who they could sell it to. So that's why and, it sort of just came not about. a lot of choice. Unfortunately, like doesn't put you in the greatest negotiating position. Uh, hence a seven point two million uh, yeah. US dollar transfer. Yeah, very, 
I heard that so they went to the U.S. and one senator's like we could we could potentially go up to five million and Russia's like no like we want more. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, that's like just the, negotiating the, tactics, low. isn't yeah, it? Exactly. Uh, something I would say about um, what Russia, you know, did they know that there was a lot of uh, natural resources in Alaska? The answer is actually yes, they did, um, and they actually even said that the U.S. are the most likely people to uh, to utilize Exploit that. It? Yeah. Because they said that the U.S. have a much more enterprise culture. Okay, um, interesting. And so they did actually note that it was of, you know, essentially more value to the U.S. than perhaps it could be to other other country other countries. Um, so That's what was some of the consequences of this purchase? What did it lead to? Yeah. So basically, like like we said, it was purchased in 1867. Um, it leaded. It led to um, which is about like in today's dollars is about. 0.37 cents per acre which is pretty good um if you think about like the prestige the beautifulness of alaska um the it was admitted to um the u.s as the 49th state on in 1959 so actually quite a bit later um so it, think about it in terms of this 1867 bought it's purchased 1912 it becomes a territory 1959 it becomes the 49th state uh just before hawaii for the 50th state um, and the, uh, like since then it's been like uh, a big thing. One thing you did mention is like, was the U S secretary of state at the time of the purchase? Um, and it was instrumental in it actually happening. Uh, most U S citizens, if you, uh, look at the papers were actually pro the Alaska purchase. Um, there's a lot of historical fact that they weren't pro it. And I think it's more to just give the story of Alaska being like, they are, they're overcome that they're overcoming that. Um, and like as wilderness people, it's like going against the status quo. Um, but in fact, most people were supportive, although the ones that weren't uh, called it Seward's Folly or Seward's Icebox, which I thought was pretty funny. Um, but it, in practice, like it was pretty supported by America and by the um, Congress as well. They like overwhelmingly supported the purchase. Yeah. Uh, one of the other things that I looked at was um, what Russia's reaction to it is now, because mm -hmm. obviously we portray it particularly from like the u.s perspective it's like haha russia made I, a mistake or whatever or, i like yeah. that i like that a lot uh and actually uh there's a video out there on the interweb for everybody to view of um mr putin saying <laughs> essentially it wasn't worth it you know ah it's not a, it was a good deal for us as well but so what their That's true funny. thoughts are we don't know but um you know he's giving the impression off that it was a good thing for russia and you could possibly say that there's a genuine argument that you know it was costing them money it wasn't profitable so you know was there actually a um a benefit in them keeping it no definitely uh, you know, and yeah one of the other things that sort of was a really big plus for the u.s was uh, it actually gave them a, a lot more military presence and trade in the pacific yeah. so it really made them a dual ocean uh country which adds to their superpower status that they are today uh and as we've, we sort of alluded to, but we never actually confirmed it, but the US wasn't actually a superpower at the time that it bought yeah. it. It was, it was only good a, to say. A, a powerful country. It, was, it, you know, it had a lot of money. It had a unique sort of culture that was coming out, but it wasn't anywhere near to being the top, um, top three countries in the yeah. world. It was, it was, yeah. At the time, the British Empire was definitely on top and again that's why part of why russia didn't want to sell to them and u.s was definitely like it, it 
it, it was just seen as like one of the, the sub powers of the time that definitely could afford it, but also was not taking over. It was definitely the world wars that kind of like flipped those a little bit more. Um, but yeah, again, it's, that's it's probably like um, time. It's probably like um, how China was probably about 30, 30 years ago, maybe 20 years ago where, you know, they're really on the up, not the same because, you know, China's rise has right. been absolutely meteoric, but just the, quick, the concept yeah. of having, having, you know, a country that is not a historic power and it's quite a new like system of, um, you know, democracy and, and ways of working and, and it wasn't uh, ally, allied to an existing superpower. So it was, it was sort of its I want to emphasize one thing you said, which is like trade with Asia was actually a huge reason the US like considered this and did this deal. Um, and if you look at today, like if you look at actually the quickest way to Asia, a lot of it's actually like over Alaska. You, you don't think that looking at a map, you're like, oh, you just go across the Pacific. But because it's a globe, it actually like in some ways you can, a lot of planes that fly to Asia actually go over um, Alaska. And it's actually like a, a, a good in-between point for like shipping, but also um, flights to carry like stuff. And so in a lot of ways, it's actually lived up to its idea of uh, American trade with Asia. Cool. So make sure to subscribe on uh, your podcast app uh, and send it to your friends. Like this has been your host, Seven Miles. Uh, yeah. And I'd say um, goodbye in my best American accent, but I don't want to make Sevy cringe today because yeah, no, no, he, he just really struggles everyone. with my absolutely perfect American accent. It's like a mix between Texas and like just fakeness. <laughs> okay. There we go. So it's not my fault. That's what your country uh <laughs> It projects onto, onto so, my so, country. So, so what are you going to say instead, Miles? <laughs> I'm just going to say goodbye. Okay. Thank you. And as they say Thank in Alaska, goodbye. <laughs>